You think you've got issues? I'm Dr. Laurie Appel. Welcome to my podcast, where we will be talking about a variety of mental health issues because, you know, we've all got issues. So in my last podcast, I left off with one of the biggest issues that I see couples struggling with, the biggest obstacle to communication and the biggest obstacle to resolution of conflict, and that is how to deal with anger. So first, let's talk a little bit about anger in general. Anger is not in and of itself a bad thing. Anger is a normal human emotion, just like happiness, sadness, frustration, guilt, surprise, excitement, or worry. In many ways, anger is a constructive emotion because it signals us that something needs to change. Anger actually serves to stimulate a person to take action. When anger is expressed in an appropriate manner, it is an adaptive and energizing response and can lead to effective change. However, Inappropriately expressed anger can result in negative consequences for relationships. Barely suppressed anger that leaks out in passive-aggressive ways, denial of anger that can lead to lethargy and apathy, over-aggressive behavior that pushes people away, or the classic Freudian anger turned inward that manifests as depression. So why do we all express anger differently? What determines how we express anger as an individual? Well, of course, as you might imagine, it all goes back to our childhood and the things that we were taught when we were young. And sadly, what we were usually taught was all sorts of really ineffective ways of handling our anger. Now, ideally, families would allow expression of all feelings, normalizing them, while also setting limits on how those feelings are expressed. For example, I understand that you're angry that you can't have the candy at the checkout line. I felt that way too when I was your age, but it's not okay to hit because you're angry. We use our words, not our hands, to express ourselves. However, most families don't take that route. Instead, some families allow no expression of anger, actually denying feelings. No, you don't really hate your brother. Or punishing any expressions of anger. Stop up those steps one more time, young man, and you'll lose your phone even longer. Some families... People never express their emotions, and conflicts and anger seethe below the surface. Or maybe, in other families, people screamed and yelled at each other, but never really sat down and resolved the conflict. And in the worst case, anger led to chaos. Slammed doors, people walking out, threats of divorce, raised fists, and so on. So there is the way that our families responded to expression of anger and the models that we saw about how couples handled their anger toward each other. And in some, many of us grew up not really knowing how to manage conflict and anger in our adult relationships because of the experiences that we had as children and the models that our families presented. Now, in addition to our family culture, there are also differences in the way that men and women handle anger. Well, as a, anger is a difficult emotion for both men and women, but there are differences in the expression of anger that exist in response to the roles that society places on men and women. Boys are often taught that men don't cry or show vulnerable emotions, so anger becomes the substitute for these more vulnerable feelings. Anger being a more readily accessible and socially, for men, acceptable way of expressing deep emotion. If men show hurt or sadness, they're deemed weak. 
while anger is a masculine and strong emotion. Women are kind of given the opposite message. Girls are given more freedom to show sadness, hurt, and fear, but women are also taught that they should be nice girls. And sometimes this implies that women shouldn't feel or express anger at all. Because if they do, they're being a bitch or they're being a ball buster. So men tend to use anger when they really want to express hurt or sadness or some other more vulnerable emotion, while women tend to just push their anger down in an attempt to prevent conflict and to avoid being thought of as a bitch. All right, so given all of these family and social cultural factors, how do we in how do we unlearn the ineffectual things that we were taught and relearn to express anger in a more effective way? According to the educators for social responsibility, there are several steps to handling anger well. The first step is just identifying it in yourself. Because if anger seems wrong or shameful to you because that's what you grew up with, you're going to have a hard time just acknowledging it. So often when I'm working in sessions with folks who are really uncomfortable acknowledging anger, I get this kind of response when I mention, you know, it sounded like that made you angry. What I hear is, no, 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 I, I was just a little annoyed or, or, well, I was irritated, I wasn't angry or, or I was disappointed, but I wasn't angry. And while these emotions, annoyance, frustration, disappointment, irritation, are certainly valid, it really seems to me that these are the kind of people who are really just trying to avoid saying that they're angry because anger seems to them to be an emotion that is not one that one is supposed to feel. There's something wrong with it. So the first step is to remind yourself that anger, it's okay. It's how that anger is expressed that needs to be considered. The next step is to identify what your specific triggers or hot button issues are. So what situations and behaviors really make you angry and why? So is it when you feel rejected? Is it when you feel like things are unfair? Is it when you feel criticized or when you feel like you don't have control? Because understanding what your hot button issues are will help you to curb your tendency to misinterpret or to skew incoming information. In other words, seeing everything that your partner says as a criticism or rejection because that is something that is a hot button issue for you and something that you are super sensitive to. Because when we're super sensitive to something, we tend to skew or perceive incoming information in a way that is colored with our sensitivities. The third step is to really listen to your body. It's going to give you cues. So are you starting to breathe hard? You know, do you have a racing pulse? Are you feeling tense? Are you beginning to raise your voice? Recognizing these things in yourself will help you with the fourth step which is to avoid letting conflicts get out of control and efforts toward communication from having diminishing returns. So when you're able to recognize your body cues that you're getting too heated, you can try to slow down. You can give yourself calming messages, and you can even ask your partner to put a pin in it if necessary and come back to it when you're feeling a little bit calmer. You can still be angry, and you can still want change, but you're going to have time to sort it out and figure out what it is that's making you angry, what issues it brought up for you, and how you want to respond. In fact, I really recommend for you to say exactly that. Like, right now, I'm really, really angry. I need some time to think this through. 
or I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret. On a side note, this is actually something that I often recommend with parents with their teenage kids. Because often something so aggravates a parent that they end up blowing up, presenting ridiculously severe consequences to reassert their control and power, and then end up later just backing down and not following through when they realize later that they probably overreacted. It's far better to say, right now I'm really angry about blank. Don't want to overreact, so I need time to think it through. We can talk later about the consequences. All right, so getting back to our steps. The fourth is to express yourself appropriately. We're going to get this, we're going to get to this in a minute. But the final step is is that if you do blow up during a conflict, you need to take responsibility for your behavior. And that means saying you're sorry. Now, some of you out there may remember the quote from Love Story that love means never having to say you're sorry. Mm, Really? I don't think so. In fact, most people I see report feeling angry, bitter, and resentful that a significant other never actually apologized for something that they did. I think that one of the most loving things a person can do is to admit wrongdoing, to be vulnerable, and with love and sincerity, apologize. We all make mistakes, we all have difficulty admitting our faults, and we all resist being vulnerable to another person. But loving someone means overcoming that resistance and defensiveness and taking responsibility for poorly expressed anger. All right, so we're going to get back to the fourth step about actually expressing your anger appropriately. So let's say that you've identified that you're angry about something, you've recognized what hot button issues it brings up for you, and you're calm enough now, you've recognized your bodily cues, and you're ready to express it without blowing up. What next? Remember that you're Anger is your inner voice signaling you, signaling to you that you need to do something. It should motivate you to take action toward change. And I'm not talking here about just being in a miserable mood so that even the way that your partner chews their food enrages you. I mean, this is normal and often a signal that we need maybe a little self-care or a little time alone to regroup and put things in perspective. I'm talking here about anger about a particular issue that hasn't been resolved. Anger about something that keeps coming up. Anger that is festering or leading to resentment or distance from our partner. Our knee-jerk reaction to this kind of anger is usually to shout or to retreat. To be overly aggressive with our anger or to be passive. Both of which rarely result in a positive outcome. In our struggles to deal with anger, we tend to lie on both sides of this extreme. We're passive and avoidant of conflict and are constantly giving in or letting others take control, or we're overly aggressive, insulting our partner, using sarcasm, or screaming to make our point. But at our very best, we can be assertive. This is the fourth step. Express yourself appropriately. And assertion means asking for what you want and asserting your opinions while respecting yourself and your partner. When you're angry about something, think about how to best assert yourself by explaining what made you upset, asking for the changes that you need to see, and if needed, explaining the possible consequences for the relationship that may happen if these changes are not made. All right, so before we end, let's go back over the steps of handling anger in a relationship. First, acknowledge your anger, normalize it for yourself, and recognize that it's a signal to you that something needs to change. Then, think about what is the key or hot-button issue that is involved. 
unfairness, feeling hurt or rejected, feeling criticized, whatever it is, own it. Third, listen to your body and make sure that your anger is not so overwhelming at the moment that you're going to end up handling the situation badly by overreacting. Calm yourself down first and talk yourself through it. Then, assert yourself in a way that respects you and your partner by asking for those needs to be met and explaining why something made you angry. And finally, if you lose your cool, just apologize and try again. Dr. Laurie Appel is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, lauriepelpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.